Good morning. Welcome back to Kaylee Dezotel Reads, Writes, and Rants. If this is your first time here, welcome. Thanks for checking us out. Uh, my name is Kaylee. I know it looks like it's spelled like Callie, but it's not. It's Kaylee. Um, today's podcast will be covering a review of Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Um, a discussion about the uh, final episodes of The Staircase on Netflix and uh, discuss what to binge next. And then finally, um, the topic for the day will be um, self-care, what it means for me and um, how those who suffer from chronic illness or chronic pain um, can take care of themselves better or if you're just a perfectly healthy person but you need a little bit more time to take care of yourself um, this could be good for you too so first of all let's talk about the book Uh, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert was a book that I recently did for uh, my virtual book club with my friend Siobhan Um, we have an online book club which if you're interested in joining please 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 come check us out Um, leave a comment below or check out um, our Facebook page it's a group it's a closed group so we will add you if you are interested Um, this book was written in 2015 by Elizabeth Gilbert she is the author of Eat Pray Love which um, if you read the book it was pretty popular about 10-15 years ago and um, they even made it into a Julia Roberts movie. The movie was not really much like the book, but um, the general idea was finding yourself through um, indo- enjoyment and indulging your curiosity and your, your life. Don't just let life pass you by. You've got to go live it. Um, I did not like Eat, Pray, Love. I'm going to be perfectly honest, just like I tell every other person that I ever run across. Um, I don't recommend that book. I don't love it. I know this can be controversial because people either love it or they hate it, but no one is ever kind of in the middle. Um, With um, with Big Magic, um, I actually really liked it. One, I was super attracted to the cover with the uh, beautiful Diwali-like colored powders flying across. But the idea of her book is um, Big Magic, Creative Living Beyond Fear. Her argument for creativity is not necessarily what everyone else um, thinks about for creativity doesn't mean that you have to be super um, good at, I don't know, painting or drawing or whatever. It just means that you are, um, you, you think about things. Like one line from the book that really resonated with me was the idea that when, you know how we say, oh, that person's a genius or this person's a genius or they're so creative or their art is mad is magical um 
the original idea of genius or the muses or the arts or whatever was that they visited you or visited upon you so um where now we say oh that person is a creative genius and that they can't reproduce what they did the first time often we say oh well I don't know they lost it or it's just not they're not as talented as I thought they were or etc well her argument is that we've stopped allowing genius to be something that visits you and comes and goes Um, we've started just insisting that the genius is the person Um, she talks about an unusual event where she says that a story is passes through you for example she talked about this book that she wanted to write and then um, some events in her life stood in the way and she never got around to writing the book that she wanted to write Um, and yet a friend of hers wrote a book that was almost identical to the one that she had in her mind. The argument isn't that that woman stole her book. The idea is that the book needed to be written, the creativity, the magic of it was out there, and it needed a home or a host to come to life. And um, she talks about how it was magically transferred from her to the author who ultimately wrote the book um, through a kiss to her forehead and that at that moment the story no longer belonged to Elizabeth Gilbert but it belonged to her friend who ultimately wrote the book. Um, I, I don't know necessarily if I believe in that form of magic um, but on the other hand who am I to say that it doesn't exist, right? Um, I wasn't there. I didn't see it. I didn't witness it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very interesting that her idea of, um, magic is not really like Harry Potter magic or, um, witch magic or whatever. It's more of an idea of inspiration and how creativity is so mysterious and we don't know um, how it comes to be we don't know how people are inspired to do or write or say the things that they do or create the things that they do Um, rather it just seems that it happens Um, you have a great idea well she's um, Gilbert argues that um she, you're not really coming up with a great idea. You're open to the idea and it chooses you. And maybe that if we just embrace what we're curious about and stop um, hunting for our next great idea, that we will feel more creative and that inspiration will happen upon us more easily. I don't know. Um, what do you think? Are you of the a mind that creativity just happens upon you or do you think that it's more related to um, your own natural abilities Um, if you want to go ahead and leave a comment I would appreciate it I'm curious to hear what you guys think I guess that's my curiosity coming through Um, 
personally, I find that I do have phases where I feel creative and inspired and um, everything that I touch or produce turns out better than I had hoped it would be or easier or it comes more quickly. Um, And I don't know if that's the muses visiting me or creativity or that I'm more open to these ideas that are floating around in the world waiting for a host. Um, I like to think that some of them are just me. But on the other hand, it's kind of cool to think that um, these ideas are out there and that if I open up my mind and open up my receptivity, that these ideas will find me. Um, I've always considered myself to be a fairly impulsive person. Um, I'm weird in the fact that I will just randomly and impulsively decide to do something. But then when it comes to other things, I take a very, very, very long time. I fear change. Um, I suffer severe anxiety about the idea of things not going exactly as I'd planned. And then the next day I will decide I'm going to sit in my closet and I'm going to start a podcast or I'm going to take my friend's idea and I'm going to go and start myself an Instagram or I'm going to read this book by Rachel Hollis and suddenly I am going to fully embrace my ideas and my fears and my anxieties and I'm going to use them to help other people who may also have these fears and anxieties. Now, is that um, creativity or amuse or um, receptivity? I don't know. Um, But I like to think that the more open-minded and the more curious and the more um, fearlessly that I choose to live my life, the better it is. Um, When opportunities come available or ideas are there, And I make the effort to reach for them or grab them or try something different that I get something better from my life. It may not be the easiest choice. It may not even be the right choice. Sometimes I make terrible decisions because it was an impulsive decision. But maybe it was the right decision at the time. I don't know. So... Um, I really hope that you'll go out and read Big Magic. Um, the virtual book club and <laughs> that we did, um, it was not super popular. The book, uh, Girl, Watch Your Face, that I discussed last week um, by Rachel Hollis had much better receptivity. People were much more engaged in it. They found it more interesting. This book just didn't seem to be the book that my friends or... Um, fellow group members um, gravitated to in this period of their lives. Um, For our next book, for the next book club, if you care to join us, it's going to be The Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins. So something completely different, um, something new that people are really engaged with right now and excited about. Um, So yeah, I really hope you'll join us. Um, As for next week, on the podcast, we will be reviewing Personal History by Catherine Graham um, in relation to uh, Lynn Povich's The Good Girls Revolt and also 
um, All the President's Men by Bern uh, Bernstein and Woodward. Did you like that little uptick that I did at the end of my voice to make it sound like instead of me telling you what I wanted to talk about, I was asking you? Yeah, that's um, a nervous tick that I have, and I know that uh, a lot of other women have it, particularly when we're trying something new that we're unsure of. Well, uh, <laughs> hopefully as this carries on, you'll find me doing a lot less of it. But in the meantime, please bear with me as I nervously ask you what I'm telling you. All right, so on to TV binging. Okay, so last week we talked about uh, The Staircase um, on Netflix. And I told you how I found uh, Michael Peterson to be a not very sympathetic person witness or a sympathetic character and that his son Todd was also not particularly likable or um, someone that I felt really a lot of uh, I guess lack of better word sympathy towards well I finished this series in the past week um, I don't know if you've watched it so I don't want to spoil it for you but Believe me, if you're going to watch it, you're going to be engaged and it's going to just kind of stick with you. I am not entirely convinced that the final decision was the right one. Um, I was not in the judge's shoes, Judge Hudson, which remarkably advocated over every iteration of that trial right through to um, the most recent one when uh, Michael Peterson had his final verdict. Um, I find it kind of nuts. Like, honestly, the guy, the decision that was finally made, I wasn't there, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a blood-stained pathologist. But I did find it interesting that as little as I liked Michael Peterson, I was oddly angry when I learned about um, that there there was a, an expert or so-called expert who was interviewed or was put on the stand and I did not he's pretty creepy I did not um, like the fact that this person took it upon himself to determine that the suspect was guilty regardless of the scientific evidence, um, just based on the fact that he had been arrested. Um, unfortunately, this happened in multiple cases by this special agent of the uh, State Bureau of Investigation, Dwayne Deaver. Um, in several instances, he neglected to produce findings in his science that would have exonerated people that he felt were guilty. The thing that bothers me about that is not so much that just that, you know, um, people deserve to go to jail. It's you, that's not how the penal system in North America works. It's not how the penal system in the United States works. If it was up to one person to arbitrarily decide who got to go to jail and who didn't, there would be a, like, the system would be even worse than it currently is. Um... I, I just don't understand this person taking it upon themselves 
to adjust science to fit. And it's not even necessarily that he adjusted science. It's that he knew what he wanted his final outcome to look like. And he adjusted his so-called experiments to ensure that he was able to duplicate the exact thing that he thought happened. Well, that's not really how science works. And uh, if I were a member of the jury, I would definitely be swayed by a professional scientist telling me that his evidence, which really, in my understanding of science, is black and white, um, the science doesn't lie, the science is the truth, um, and that might be naive, don't get me wrong, I understand that that's probably naive and my own misunderstanding of how science works, but if I were to be completely honest and be a juror, I would be strongly swayed by a scientist giving his um, opinion, which he presents as fact, as um, as as the basis for putting someone in jail. So, if you decide you want to watch The Staircase, and or you have read it, or you lived in North Carolina in Durham, and you know what this whole thing is all about, go ahead and let's let's have a conversation because I'm curious what your opinion um, on the whole Michael Peterson final verdict, the whole Dwayne Deaver um, science as whatever you feel like it is, um, the final result on that. I'm curious. I want some opinions, so please go ahead and drop a comment below. Subscribe, discuss, let's, uh, let's talk about it. And all right, so I think it is time to pick the next thing to binge. Um, Honestly, I have watched Parks and Rec. I've watched The Office. I've watched The Staircase now. Um, I'm not sure what to pick next, but I tried watching a show called Women Behind Bars, which was a true crime series about women who have committed murder for various reasons or were um, convicted of committing murder. And I gotta say, uh, that's not something I can binge. It's too hard to watch uh, a bunch of little stories showing graphic images of what humans and humanity can do to each other. So sorry, women behind bars, as valuable as you are, And as interesting as you are, it is definitely not something I'm going to be binging on. I'm kind of leaning towards Lost. I'm not even sure if it's available on Netflix anymore. I'm going to check. The reason I say that is I am one of the weirdos who never watched Lost when it was on in the first place. And I'm curious about it. I understand it's really good. It's all really weird and quirky and strange and... I'm curious. The other option is um, on Amazon Prime. It's called Man in the High Castle. The reason I'm curious about this one, it's not because I've read the books or anything, but when I worked in downtown Vancouver, I was constantly walking past the set of it because my lunch break would be spent walking around the city, 
and walking up to the Vancouver Public Library. And directly across the street from the Vancouver Public Library is the old post office, which has now turned into a TV movie set. And quite often, Man in the High Castle was filming over there. So go ahead, vote. Would you suggest that we watch Lost? And if you've already watched it, let me know whether it's worth binging this many years later. Or Man in the High Castle. Go ahead and drop a comment and let me know. I'm going to also in my Instagram, I'm going to post a, um, I don't know, what is it called? A poll, a poll. <laughs> I'm going to post a poll to see who recommends which. Again, Lost or Man in the High Castle. It's up to you. Um, hopefully I like at least one of them. Alright, now after we've talked about reading books and binging on TV series and what to binge next, I think it's important to have a discussion about self-care. Um, you hear a lot about it. You hear, oh, I it's self-care Sunday. I'm going to put a mask on and I'm going to take a bubble bath and I'm going to read a book and oh my gosh, this is my time. I'm going to drink a big glass of wine and... Ah, it'll be wonderful. That's true. That is a version of self-care. But that's not the only version of self-care. Now, as a person who has fibromyalgia and Hashimoto's hypothyroid, um, which is an autoimmune disorder, I tend to need to rest more than I would like to. Uh, if you follow my other social, you'll see that I quite often discuss my mental health struggles or my struggles with fibromyalgia or my struggles with a body that doesn't listen to me and I wish I could exchange for a fully functioning one, but unfortunately it is the one that I got and it's the one I have to live with. Um, when it comes to self-care, a lot of us especially if you're a woman or a mom or a wife or somebody who's doing like this where there's a they have a full-time job and they've got a side hustle or they work part-time and they have full-time kids or they've got elderly parents um we are super 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 good at being caregivers you give us a problem and we are there we are all over staying up till two o'clock in the morning to bake pink and blue cupcakes for our sister's baby shower. You, your mom is sick. She's in the hospital. I am there. I am bringing her clean pajamas. I am brushing her hair and braiding it. Um, your best friend broke up with her boyfriend. You bring the bottle of wine and the ice cream and you are all over helping. We are helpers. We tend to Put ourselves pretty low on our priority list. Well, and that's where the idea of self-care comes from in the first place. We deprioritize ourselves to the point that I swear many, many, many years of my life I went through um, where I would just not be on my priority list. My mom, my husband, my kids, my dad, my sister, my sister-in-law, my brother, my cat, my neighbor, my best friend, my job, writing, these things all had a place on my priority list. Pick up groceries, feed the cat, 
bath the kids, put them to bed, feed my husband, talk on the phone, like be there, be there, be there, be there. But what I forgot was to be there for me. What I forgot was there is absolutely nothing selfish about self-care. And it helped. I have started getting to the point where instead of just waiting until my body tells me, nope, that's it, you need to sleep for the next 36 hours, and it shuts itself down, I can tell, I can feel it when it's coming on. And I know I need, still need to get better. I need to get to the point where I don't wait until I feel the need approaching to take care of myself. But when I don't listen to my body and I can feel myself getting tired and weak and irritable and exhausted and sleepy and yet also sleep deprived. And the idea of falling asleep sounds so delicious until you lay down in bed and you cannot keep your eyes shut. All you think of is, okay, so tomorrow I have that report and then I also have to make sure that the booster seat is at daycare because they have their pumpkin patch field trip tomorrow. And after the field trip, um, they're going to be picked up by my mom because it's a half day at school. And then I have to get the kids from my mom's house so I can take them to ballet. And then after ballet, I've got to make sure I can get that report finished because I didn't get to finish it in the middle of the day. And then I also have to write my blog and I've got to make all the dinner and I've got to prep the food for the week because I didn't get a chance to on Sunday because I got sick or the baby got sick and that threw that off and the car was out of gas so I better gas up the car and then it is four o'clock in the morning and you have not fallen asleep because you've prepped in your mind every eventuality of what tomorrow will bring then you wake up in the morning in the two and a half hours you slept from 4 till 6.30 and you find that you can barely drag yourself out of bed. The idea of tackling any of the items on your to-do list that you so diligently attacked in the middle of the night in your head when you should have been sleeping, it just doesn't work. You can't do it. You can barely keep your eyes open. Coffee is your best friend as you fill up one ginormous swimming pool of coffee after the other, swallow it down, and try to keep from crying. That is exhaustion. That is why we need to take care of ourselves. It doesn't matter if you are physically in pain. It doesn't matter if you are mentally in pain. You need to stop before the pain starts. I have nothing but respect for people who try to do it all. I get it. I've done it. But it's not okay to kill yourself. Who are you helping by trying to do five things at once? Who are you helping when in the middle of signing the homework and making the dinner and yelling at the dog, you drop the spaghetti on the floor and sit down in a puddle of tears because you just can't anymore? You're not helping anyone. You're not helping your kids. You're not helping your husband. You're not helping yourself. You're not helping your work. All you're doing is making yourself miserable. So 
That is why people have taken self-care and they've made it into such a big thing. You don't have to want to sit in the bathtub with bubbles and a face mask. That's fine. Your self-care could be going for a run. Your self-care could be going for a walk. Your self-care could be going with your neighbor for a cup of coffee on a Tuesday evening instead of trying to sew sequins onto your daughter's ballet tutu. You are starting a company? That is fantastic. Good for you. You will be amazing after you take some time for yourself. It is so much fun and it is so easy to get into what you're doing and you're excited about it and you know that your ideas are great and you're just pounding through them and you're so inspired. That's awesome, but you still have to let yourself sleep. So let's talk about some tips for self-care. Not just the idea and the concept and why we need it, but what self-care could mean for you. For me, I love having a cup of coffee and my five minute journal in the morning where I have about a half an hour to myself to scroll through social media, plan my posts for the day, fill in my journal, plan my affirmation, and then, you know what, one or two kids (laughs) wake up and I might get a few minutes of quiet cuddles with them before the day starts. Other versions of self-care for me involve going to bed two hours before my actual bedtime because I know that's how much time it'll take me to finish reading the next four chapters of the book that I'm loving or rereading Harry Potter for the 50 billionth time. Self-care for me also looks like going to my best friend's house and sitting on her back deck on watching the sunset in the trees and giggling and talking about nothing. It also looks like meeting my mom at Michael's and wandering the aisles with the intent of buying absolutely nothing because I'm the least crafty person you will ever meet in your life. But it's fun and it smells like cinnamon in there. So it feels good. Self-care for me involves going to the grocery store at 10 o'clock at night when I'm the only one there and I sing along out loud with the music as I wander the aisles alone throwing crap and groceries into my cart without really thinking about it. Honestly, that sounds insane, but it's true. Self-care for me means going to the crowded, crazy used bookstore in my neighborhood or downtown And just wandering around smelling the decaying books because honestly that sounds gross but it's freaking awesome. Self-care for me means going anywhere where there is a large body of water bigger than a puddle or bigger than a bathtub and absorbing the ions. Self-care for me involves curling up on the couch with my daughter and reading one page of her favorite book, whatever it happens to be this week, and alternating back and forth with her. Self-care for me means lying on my stomach while my son lays on my back and makes weird voices and silly different characters in my ear. Self-care for me means laying on the couch, fiddling with my phone while my husband plays video games next to me. It doesn't matter. Self-care for me on Sunday night means 
putting a hair mask in, which quite often results in just a big pile of coconut oil on top of my head dripping down my face, with a charcoal mask on my face, painting my nails while we watch too many episodes of whatever Fox sitcom we happen to be into at the moment. Right now it's Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Those are my self-care, but they're not everyone's. My sister has an altar. My um, my sister's idea of self-care is not even just her altar. My sister's idea of self-care involves keeping herself so flippin' busy that she can see and do and be as many things as possible in her spare time. That is fun for her. My sister is not a sit-still type of girl. Um, self-care for my husband involves sitting with a hunk of wood and trying to figure out what it looks like to him in his mind and how he's going to make that square into whatever image that he has seen. Self-care for my grandmother involves sitting around a table full of crackers and cheese and singing old songs while her friend plays the uh, the guitar and her other friend plays the piano. Self-care for my mother involves knitting nine million different hats and sewing little dresses for girls in Africa. It doesn't matter. You are in charge of what your self-care looks like. Don't let anyone else dictate what self-care is. But at the same time, don't look at someone who is engaging in self-care as nuts. And don't look at them like they're wasting their time. Because the, the quote says that you'll see on Pinterest everywhere, time you enjoy wasting is not wasted time. And honestly, it is so much better to waste that time on something that brings you joy and relaxes you and gives your body the break and your brain the break that you need to carry on with the millions of other things that are in your life. So please, please go ahead, figure out what your self-care is, Feel, figure out what feels good for you, what feels right for you, and carve out 20 minutes That's all I'm asking you to start with 20 minutes once a day to do something for you, something that doesn't harm anyone. I'm not telling you to go out and rob a liquor store because it sounds like fun. 20 minutes to read a book or pet your cat or do some needlepoint. I don't know. Catch up on half an episode of Black Mirror. Do whatever feels right for you. And remember that you are not wasting your time and that taking care of yourself is so important. And the best way to be there for others is to also be there for you. All right, that is the rant for today. I hope, hope, hope that you enjoyed this podcast. And I really, really, really hope that you will subscribe to the channel or leave a comment please leave a nice comment. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say nothing at all. As uh, Bambi's mother says, no, Thumper's mother, Thumper. Bambi's mother died. Uh, (laughs) um, And I will see you next week where we will discuss the uh, Washington Post and Catherine Graham and all the president's men. And we will figure out which out of Lost or Man in the High Tower that we, or is it Man of the High Castle? Why can't I remember? Um, That we are going to watch. So, 
Have a great day. I hope this week treats you well. And I hope you remember to please carve out those 20 minutes for yourself every day for the rest of this week at least. Bye.